If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider helping by supporting our show. Although never expected, any support for our show enables us to keep bringing the audiobook club to your ears. Hello and welcome to the Audiobook Club. In this week's episode, we are so lucky to be joined by the fantastic actor, audiobook narrator, director, producer, Jennifer Aquino. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. How are you today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> Lovely stuff. It's very nice to have you with us. Um, as with every one of these shows, I'd really like to start at the beginning. Um, would you be able to tell us a little bit about your background and how you came into the world of performance, acting and audiobook narration? Oh, yeah, sure. So I'm an actor based here in Los Angeles. Um, I have 20 plus years uh, working in film, television, commercials, theater and voiceover projects. Um, Oh, fun fact, I'm one of the doctors who killed McDreamy on the ABC medical show Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) My friends still get mad at me um, at the anniversary of of his death. Um, So I've been acting pretty, you know, for over 20 years. Um, I studied acting at UCLA and um, continued training as well with Harry Master George and other teachers as well. But I really just started narrating audiobooks last year in 2021. Oh, wow. Yeah, so as you all know, in 2020, um, with the pandemic, um, I transitioned. I was already doing voiceover work, animation, and commercial work. Um, but I never really um, thought about audiobooks until I stumbled upon a coach, um, Elise Arsenault, and her and her audiobook course, The Great Audiobook Adventure. And so that's that's how I transitioned really into audiobooks. So I started last year in 2021, and I have gratefully narrated um, titles for Penguin Random House, Hachette, HarperCollins, Simon & Schuster, Audible yeah. Studios, Blackstone, Podium Tentor. I mean, so many wonderful uh, publishers. Um, and as you mentioned, I also started directing audiobooks. I'm on the narrating rosters with Hachette and Macmillan, and I also started coaching. So um, I helped, yeah, so I, that was kind of a natural, for me, I love being of service and narrators were asking me if I coached and um, what I do. So I help narrators create their unique two minute pitches for the Audio Publishers Association events called, it's a speed dating event. And where, I don't know if you know about speed dating, but it's where uh, a narrator has two minutes to pitch themselves in front of 40, 50 publishers. So it could be a very uh, nerve wracking um, experience. And I I love to help narrators just have fun and be their authentic selves in in their pitch. So I started coaching that. And I'm also a community mentor for the global actor and the great audiobook adventure community. And um, I also serve in the diversity, equity, and inclusion committees uh, for the Audio Publishers Association, as well as PANA, which is the Professional Audiobook Narrators Association as well. (laughs) My goodness. Wow. So you have a pretty busy time over there, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just I just love, you know, I'm so grateful that I stumbled upon the audiobook community. I just found the community to be very generous. And um, I just dove right in with meeting. I love to meet new people all the time. And I also love connecting people. And I love being of service. So it's 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 been a wonderful ex- um, experience so far, and I'm looking forward to meeting more people, like I met you. And uh, yeah, it's just it's been like I, I feel very blessed. 
That's fantastic. Well, there's so much to unpack there. Um, I'll work my way through the list if that's okay, because you've got so many interesting things to delve into, which I'm so looking forward to talking to you about. Have you um, have you always had a passion to perform? I would say so. In elementary school, I was the lead in a, the school play. <laughs> so that was, I want to say, second grade. So, but I really never thought of of acting as a career. Mm. Um, so even even throughout school, um, it was more for fun. And then I was always, uh, I was a dancer as well. So I loved the performing aspect. And even when I was at UCLA, I didn't major in, in theater. I, I actually have a, a BA in economics. I have a business background. And I had to petition into the theater classes because it was just something that I was interested in. And it wasn't until my senior year that I decided that I didn't want to be sitting behind a desk as a career in that sense. Um, and so that's when I pursued um, acting and continued my training outside of um, after college. It was more of a, the sort of not wanting to go down the traditional route, which sort of redirected you into that line then. Yes, but I, I will tell you, I'm very grateful for having a business background mm. because as an artist, as a performing artist, we are our own business person as well it's our yeah, own business yeah. so we have to handle our marketing our um it's at least in the beginning until you're a celebrity when you have you know a, a publicist and agents yeah. and things like that but um we we have to treat it like a business and so i'm really grateful to have that business mind and mm-hmm. um and to be able to apply the business aspects towards the business because we really have to wear two hats. We have the creative hat and the business hat. And so I'm so glad that I'm able to have both. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's so important. Um, and I think sometimes um, it can be a little bit overlooked when folks are just starting out, you know, that business side, because it's such, it's so, you know, sparkly, isn't it? The creative side, the, you know, <laughs> the <active laughs> side of it sort of draws you in. And then you, oh, no, I still have to do my taxes and That's right. market <laughs> myself. And <laughs> so you have, um, as you just say, you, you, you've acted on screen, on the stage, just about everywhere you can. Um, when you sort of got, when, you know, the, the opportunity arose for you to try out audiobooks. What was it about audiobooks specifically that kept drawing you back as a performer, kept drawing you back to be, you know, to wanting to further um, your career into audiobooks? Well, first, I, I love to read. I'm always mm. reading books. I think, I think, especially more so during the pandemic, I think in a matter of two months, I read like 20, over 20 books. Um, mm. I also... Um, started listening to audiobooks as I was studying the audiobook craft. So I started out as a reader and then transitioned into listening to audiobooks. I will tell you what I love about it. So yes, I'm an avid reader. I love books. I love reading. (laughs) Um, I love telling stories. And I think as actors, we we love to tell stories. Um, I love, I love, um, first of all, I really look up and admire writers. I, I think it's something very difficult to do. I'm not a writer myself. Mm. And to be that creative in that sense, um, I just really admire that. And I, the experience I had reading and recording in, in my home studio, it was just very creatively fulfilling. I will tell you, I'm a morning person. So I record in the morning, I get up between four and four thirty in the morning and I start recording 5 five thirty in the morning and I record wow. until about eight eight or nine so yeah. um 
so I only record three or four, uh, three, I would say I rarely record more than three hours, but mm. three hours in the morning. And to start my day in a creative place, it's really amazing and fulfilling. So that's what I really loved about it. And, and it, it surprised me to start my day in that way and how creatively fulfilling it is, especially during the pandemic when film and TV productions stopped. Yeah. So I wanted to find a way, how, do, how can I stay creative? And audiobook narration was the perfect um, um, create, creative outlet for me. And to be able to start it every morning, start my day in that creative place was just really fulfilling. And it really surprised me how, how fulfilling it was. Yeah, that's so interesting. Wow, that is that's rather early. <laughs> rather it is, early I start. Know. <laughs> um, so, do you think like because you know the whole thing about you know um, sort of uh, early rising and sort of trying to spend a few moments to yourself at the start of the day just to sort of recenter and all of that kind of those kind of practices. Do you think there's anything in that when narrating an audiobook right at the start because you're on your own, you can, it's, you know you're quiet, you're in your recording space, you're focusing on like one task. Do you think there's something to that that maybe is almost like a little meditation? Absolutely. It's very, for me, I love the mornings because it's so quiet. Hmm. Quiet in my home and also quiet outside. But I find it very meditative, very serene. I feel like I'm also doing this for myself. It's like alone time, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm very big on self-care and, he and health and wellness is one of my passions. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like some me time. This is what, I don't even feel like it's work. It's like, it's time for me to have fun, to do the thing that I love, which is telling stories. So absolutely, I find it yeah. very kind of zen and calming and fulfilling in that sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, how much, um, how much sort of time do you put into keeping your health and wellness and all the, you know, keeping a positive mindset? Um, how much sort of time do you keep focusing on that as running your own sort of business? You know, you, you're, you're sort of self-employed doing that sort of creative thing, because that is something when running off your own schedule, when sorting out that your own timeline per se, it can often be very stressful, be very, you know, you can get bogged down and, you know, it's sort of never work never leaves you. Is that something that you take an active step for looking afterwards, making sure that you're, you, you know, you're as, as primed and prepped and, and ready to go mentally as, as possible? That is such a good question because health and wellness is a priority for me. Mm. And self-care is a daily practice, physically and mentally. It's something I do daily. And it's something that is that should be done daily. And, and so I've become really good with time management. So mm. when I have books, uh, when I get offered books, I cushion my deadlines. So I'm never cutting it close. Yeah. And because I'm doing other things besides audiobooks, I still do on-camera work. I have a production company. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I also have a health and wellness business. I leave room so that I'm not stressed. And I mean, what's the point if you're stressed and you're not having fun, right? Yeah. So I, I cushion my deadlines. I'm really good with time management. And, um, and I deliver early as well. And so... Um, it's very important to me. So eating healthy is a top priority. Getting good quality sleep is a priority for me. Um, having a positive mindset and surrounding myself with what I call high vibrational thoughts, high vibrational people. Yeah. Um, and I really believe what you put out also is what you attract. So, um, so all of that is so important to me. And I try to, on a daily basis, be very conscientious of those um, daily practices of 
of self-care, of having a positive mindset, eating healthy, mm-hmm. um, getting good quality sleep and good time management, that kind of thing. It's really important because once you're stressed and um, then it's not fun anymore. And also mm-hmm. when you're stressed, your immune system is suppressed and you get sick more often and you don't have clarity of mind. It's harder to work. So all of that. So I, I at a very young age, I think health and wellness was a priority. At a very young age, I told myself, that I was going to age differently than how I saw people aging, you know, mentally as well, physically. So yeah, it's very important to me. And I talk about it because it's one of my passions. I talk about it to other narrators, how how important health and wellness and self-care is. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. I'm with you so 100% on that. I think it's so important. I don't think it's spoken enough. I don't think it's treated um, I don't think it's treated as highly as it should be um, in any sort of field, really, in everything. It doesn't matter if you're specifically doing audiobooks or even creative work or whatever. I think it's so important. Um, you have a glow. You have glowing recommendations from publishing houses, production companies, all the rest. What advice would you give to other narrators and actors in order for them to make a great impression once they're in the studio or working with the pros? Have you got any advice um, for how to behave, what to do, that sort of thing? <laughs> That's such a great question. Um, You know, first of all, be your authentic self. But most importantly, I always say, be professional. And what does that mean? Yeah, everyone says, yeah, be be professional. But what's really important, I find, with especially with communicating with publishers, is is the communication, right? Mm -hmm. So communicating your schedule. Your are, are you going to be traveling? And you just finished recording. And will you be traveling? And you know that pickups are coming soon things like that. Um, are you, did something come up like a, a medical emergency or a family situation and now you might be behind schedule? You need to communicate that as soon as possible. Not the day that it's due, not the day before, but as soon as possible. And I think, I believe publishers really appreciate that clear communication up front. Um, so I believe that's what's really important. And um, and be kind. Yeah. <laughs> be nice. <laughs> I hear stories about um, you know, just some people being very demanding or unkind, and I'm not sure how, if it's true or, or if that's happening, but those are kind of common sense things to me is to be professional, be kind, be your authentic self, and don't be afraid to ask questions. That's, again, communication. Sometimes you feel like, oh, well, I don't want to appear stupid or this is a dumb question. Mm. No question is a dumb question because if you don't ask, then that's when the miscommunication starts, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. very important to get – if you're not clear on something, you m- make sure that you're, you need to ask and be very clear, especially with pronunciations, things like that. You want to – you don't want to have 100 pickups, right? <laughs> <laughs> For for a five hour book. (laughs) Absolutely. I think I agree. I hear the attitude one, the attitude problem, you know, a lot more than you sort of would think, especially because these people are in such a privileged position and usually working with the loveliest of people. And it just sort of seems so bizarre to me. It kind of goes back to what you were saying about you sort of get back what you put out into the world. You know, you invite your own world uh, back at you. Um, so I think that's a great, it's a great sort of tip. One that you might, you may not initially think needs to be said. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, I saw, um, and you mentioned the production studio, your production company earlier. I saw that you also produced. Uh, is it the anniversary? Um, yes. And what is an award-winning short film which premiered at the Marina del Rey Festival? 
could you tell us a little bit about that experience? Have you have you always had a passion for the for the production side of television and film? You know, producing for me came to the desire of wanting better material. So being female and then a female of color mm. in the acting industry is very limited. And what I decided to do, instead of waiting around for roles to come, I decided to empower myself and start producing content and collaborating with other writers and directors. So the anniversary was one of our first, I started um, producing theater first and had wonderful experience um, producing theater. And the anniversary was our very first short film that we produced. So my production company is Kohana Productions Incorporated. And we, uh, my husband and I, uh, my husband Kip Shiatani, he's also an actor, director, producer. We collaborated with our friend Art Chudabala, who is an act, very talented actor, director, editor. He's been an editor at Paramount Studios for over 15 years, almost 20 years now. Yeah. And we decided we wanted to, we wanted to create a story, something that was riveting but not. Asian specific, not ethnic specific. Mm. The reason why is we're already limited in Hollywood with Asian specific roles. So we wanted to just to create a story and they happen to be, the people happen to be Asian American, but it wasn't about being Asian. Yes. And yes. so it's a wonderful story. It's about the anniversary is about um, a man who on his anniversary, um, you know, his, his wife, his wife had um, passed away and he wants to get revenge on the killer and kidnaps his killer mm. and then at the end you realize was was the killer really the person who killed his wife and so there's like there's that twist in there yeah, and yeah. so it's a really simple premise but it was just a wonderful um wonderful experience because as a producer i love that i get to choose who i work with Mm -hmm. and who I don't work with, right? Because I'm, you know, and I surround, again, surround myself with positive people, yeah. um, paid everyone and um, and worked with people that I've worked with before. And it was just a wonderful experience. We got to take um, the film to different film festivals across the country. And we won multiple awards, including Best Drama, Best uh, Director, Best, I mean, so many, Best Cinematography, all, all different kinds of awards. Nice. So it was wonderful. And right now we're still, col we're, I'm collaborating with another writer, working on a full-length feature. So that that's kind of in wow. the works too. It kind of got put in a halt because of the pandemic, but the yeah. writing, we're still working on uh, developing that that story. That's amazing. That, what an incredible experience. What was it? Going around the festivals then, and that sort of, I guess it's kind of the distribution phase really, isn't it? Or the, or the pre-distribution, I'm not quite sure of the terminology there, but sort of after making it, sort of entering into these festivals and sort of seeing that reaction, winning these awards, what was that like? You know, you've worked so hard with, you know, some amazing people who, you, I, I, you know, with your with your husband and, and, and friends and stuff. So people you're obviously very fond of <laughs> and to yes. see that their work recognised as well. Yes. I mean, what was that like? Very creatively fulfilling, and I will say, um, I, I now have a, a huge respect for filmmakers because I congratulate. It. If you've made a film, I congratulate you because that is an accomplishment. Whether it's a ten-minute film or a full-length feature film, hmm. it's a lot of work, and um, it's it's so actually doing it. I it just it it just I appreciate filmmakers yeah, and yeah. what they and and what they do, but. It was very creatively fulfilling to see your work um, 
I got to act in it. My husband was a major character in it, and to on the big screen, right? Yeah. In yeah. and not just a small little supporting role. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's it was it's it's just very very fulfilling. It it does um, inspire me to do to create more work um, and and to make more films, to make more content with with just important subject matters, important storylines to me that I wouldn't have the opportunity otherwise, right? Yeah, in absolutely. in the industry, and I encourage all actors to, if you can, to create to start creating your content. And if you're tired, sick and tired of the limited roles that you're getting or the lim- or maybe no auditions at all, create your dream role, write it or collaborate with a writer if you can't write, right? Collaborate with a director if you can't direct and have and, and have this supportive community of artists and work together and create your own content. Why not? People are doing it. And there's so many with the digital world, there's so many opportunities and so many platforms I just really encourage everyone to do that rather than complain, complain, yeah. sit around and complain about, oh, they don't have enough auditions or they don't like the roles they're getting, things like that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It sounds so liberating. And as you say, just sort of get, you know, taking a proactive step and, and forcing that change, which needs to, you know, to that sort of into new interesting stories and interesting ways of telling stories and stuff. It's just, yeah, it's amazing. Have you, uh, as you say, so you've got a, a feature in the sort of works. Has it sort of, have you been bitten by the bug uh, to, you know, spend a little bit more time making some things and spending um, a little bit more time with the producer hat on? Yes. Well, that reminds me, I need to, I need to reach out to my writer. <laughs> <laughs> so her name is Diana Marr. She's a talented feature film writer. She's also Asian American, but she writes big budget films. And, um, and I, she really supports me in creating like this smaller budget film for me. It's, it's basically strong female characters in lead roles. And that was our goal in, in this feature length film. And so um, it, 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 I'm inspired now. I need to, I need to reach out to Diana. <laughs> um, but yeah, because now slowly the industry is opening up again. Yeah, it's still yeah. very challenging with COVID protocols and things like that. And, and those those expenses of the COVID protocols and safety on the set goes on to the producers. The producers need to spend that money and budget that. Um, but we want to make sure everyone's safe. But um, but yeah, I definitely am inspired to. Um, I'm always thinking producer head. And I think that's probably my business background. Yes. Um, yes. You know, it's my business yeah. background to think, oh, well, I could create that or I could yeah. do that. <laughs> yes. It's like so important with the problem solving aspect of things, isn't it? Knowing how to work through it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I also, I, I can't pass up on the opportunity of asking you about working on Grey's Anatomy. Um, how, did, <laughs> how did that opportunity come about? How did you find that experience? Have you got any anything to tell us on about that? Oh my gosh, that was such a wonderful experience. I will tell you just from the ver- from from my audition. So when I had auditioned, it was the role of a doctor that had maybe one or two lines, and I was going to actually decline the audition. Oh. Um, but I went ahead and auditioned anyways because I love the casting office, Linda Lowy and Associates. I love they bring me in all the time for their shows. And I, I, something in my gut said to go in anyway. So I went in, did my little few lines, and um, I ended up booking it. Now, of course, because of NDA, they, of course, I didn't know that it, I was going to be one of the doctors and it was going to be the episode where McDreamy yeah. dies. They don't tell you that, of course. 
But when I booked, I, so I booked it, my agent calls me and says, you booked Grey's Anatomy and you're working, your call time's four o'clock tomorrow, tomorrow morning. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, and by the way, here's your new script. It's, it's, it's six scenes. <laughs> it's oh, six yeah. scenes and like 10 pages. And so the night, this is the night before. And it's different from the audition because um, they had to make up the audition since it wasn't the actual script. So yeah. I was learning all of this doctor jargon the night before. And, you know, um, so I was really excited. And Dre's Anatomy, they work long long days, I think the 14 to 16 hour days. Wow. But I... I, um, I I uh, called in. I was called in in the morning, and then we have a consultation with a, a, a real doctor on the set, who because I was the I was Patrick Dempsey's an- anesthesiologist, and I don't I don't know what they do technically in the surgical room, right? So basically, the the doctor consultant um, basically tells me what actions I would be doing, what would make sense in this situation, in this specific situation where he had a head trauma. Yeah. Me as an anesthesiologist, she goes, on this line, you need to go over here and work, work the, 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 the machine here. And then on this line, you need to do this. So it was very technical. Yeah. And so what was really important was I needed to be relaxed and learn, learn my lines, which is very different from audiobooks where you don't have to learn your lines. <laughs> learn my lines so that I could, on cue, move here on this line. But when someone else says another line, there's eight of us in the room and we're all, it's, it's a trauma it's a trauma um, room, so there's all of us talking, saying our different lines, but they need to be in order as yeah. written in the script. But it doesn't sound like it, so you need to know exactly when your lines come in and when they yeah. and when you end. And on top of that, the movement, the movement of where I go, what I need to do. So it was a high stress situation, but that yeah. was real. That's real life, anyways, in a trauma room, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, pretending that you know what you're doing, pretending that you know, I've been an anesthesiologist for 10, 15 years. All of that co- came into play, which was so tremendously fun. And again, that healthy mindset is so mm-hmm. important because if you are stressed about, oh my gosh, I don't think I could do it, or how am I going to do this? I just got my lines last night, and if you're in that mindset that cannot be fun and most likely you're going to fail in some way. (laughs) So the most important thing was to relax and say, you know what? I could do this. I'm going to listen and just be very on alert and just do your job. And I, I don't know. I, it's like that. I don't think it's not an easy task. I will tell you, it's not an easy task. And you would think, Oh yeah. An actor, you just, your audition was two lines. That's really easy. And then it turns into something like that. You need to be prepared all the time and be professional and ask questions if you didn't understand something. But it was really, really a cool experience to work on that set. Everybody was very kind, um, really good energies. And I'm it was just great. I'm really grateful that that happened to be the episode that that I got to work on on the series. Yeah, that's it's, it's amazing. It must be so, as you're saying, that uh, really that kind of a high stress with everyone moving around, you know, so specifically. It must be, must have to be kind of choreographed. Quite, and obviously, because it's fast on, the, you know, you haven't got a lot of time. You're fighting against the day. If you've already been, you know, doing it a couple of hours and you're into a long day, you have to sort of, yeah, that mindset has to be so important, doesn't it, to sort of stay with it. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah, just so that everyone's safe as well. Never mind, you know, doing the actual job that you're there to do. So yeah, it's amazing. I I read that I read that you also studied taekwondo. 
Yes. Um, and a number of other martial arts I read. Um, now, this may seem like a strange link on my part, but would you say that these activities have helped you in any way with narrating audiobooks? Because the focus, the patience, the control one has to learn in these martial arts, that mindset, does that come in handy when having to lock in on a particular heavy narrating session? That's a really interesting question. I mean, I've done interviews, but nobody really has connected my martial arts training to audiobook narration <laughs> or acting. Um, but yes, I, you know, it's very much of a mental sport. Like I also mm. competed in tournaments in martial wow. arts and nice. it takes a really strong mindset Um like you said, focus, concentration. You really have to stay connected when you're narrating audiobooks. You could you could tell when your mind starts to drift and you're not connecting to yes. the story anymore, right? Yes. Um, yes. It's so important. Mental clarity is important. That's why I'm so grateful that I wake up in the morning. I'm a morning person. I wake up with pure mental clarity. Like I could, you know, get up. I don't have that brain fog or anything like that um but it's so important and i think from a young age when i started well martial arts training i started after college um it was something that i enjoyed doing and i thought might be beneficial in acting just in case right i'm asian american i know it's stereotypical but it was something that i was interested in anyways self-defense but more in the practice of of mental um mental sharpness and also physical just staying in shape physically but mm-hmm. i didn't know how much of how much training in martial arts contributed to a healthy mindset until i was into it and then I, even after even afterwards um because i haven't i haven't trained recently well it, it all stopped of course with the pandemic but um, but I loved I loved it, um, and I got my whole family involved, uh, my husband and my daughter, and we we would all spar. I, mean, I would spar with my husband, and it, it was fun to kick him in the head, you know, <laughs> because I was more advanced than him because I started before him. So that was yeah, my welcome, yeah. my welcome, uh, my welcome kick <laughs> to him. <laughs> but yes, absolutely. I think looking back, um, almost everything I I've done has contributed to who I am today who then that's really for everyone right every mm. everyone's past is really whether it was your challenges um, your wins and losses and what you've learned from those experience really make you who you are today right and I think all of that was working on this healthy mindset that I wanted to continue to have as I aged as I got older mm-hmm. to continue learning to continue growing and continue having a stronger, and healthy mindset, absolutely. Yeah, I think as you as you say, it's all it's all connected, isn't it? It's all one big wheel. Is holistic the word? Is that the right word? Yes, absolutely, yeah. holistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A buzzword for the listeners there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, another big uh, passion of yours that I've read is, is traveling. Um, <gasps> and I saw the big list of places that you've already been to. And, and it's one of my passions as well. I just wanted to know, why is traveling so important to you? And, and why should one really prioritize travel when, when possible? You know, I grew up traveling because my mom worked for the airlines. So not only do we travel, but we traveled for free on any airline, not just the airline she worked at, because she was at a higher up position. So we flew, we flew British Airways, Singapore Airlines. Um, I mean, it was just any airline you could think of and where we traveled. And so that love of travel started at a very young age. I just was always curious about other cultures, other foods. 
And I just find um, anywhere outside of the United States very interesting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just, you know, and, and I'm so glad that my husband and my daughter have the mm. same love. So every year we vote on a dream vacation and then we spend all year to plan it. Where do we want to go in, in that country? What do we want to eat? What do we want to climb? Because we like to climb, you know, monuments and buildings oh, and things yeah. like that. Yeah. What do we want to experience in these in, in this country? So it's just so important. And so for me, we value travel more than material things. So we 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 basically focus on our spending on travel. And then I learned what's called travel hacking. I don't know if you know anything about travel hacking, but it's a way to travel for free. And I took a a, a course, a travel hacking course. Um, that's sponsored by Choose Fi, Choose Financial Independence, and it's a free course. You, you could just Google Choose Fi um, travel hacking course, and um, I started being because I don't work for the airline. In fact, I my mom worked for the airlines. I traveled for free when I was in college at UCLA. I worked for British Airways as a ticket oh, agent, yeah. and because yeah. I loved traveling so much, I loved everything about traveling, even the airport, hotels, every anything about traveling. I love. So I even worked for tra- for British Airways, but then. You know, so and my benefits for traveling for free stopped when I stopped working for British Airways, and it stopped when I no long when I graduated from college under the benefits of my mom. Yeah. So, um, so it was you know it could be very expensive. So it was very attractive for me to be able to travel for free, using basically it's airline uh, credit card mileage points and things like that. How to how to you have to be financially responsible, but yeah. I love but I love it and I love to be able to travel for free. (laughs) So in fact, I just, I just got back. Um, I think, um, the reason why I couldn't do this interview earlier is I was, I've been traveling. I went to to the East coast and then I was at the Bahamas. I was on a cruise at the Bahamas and I just literally got back, um, uh, Monday. So in today's Thursday. Yeah. So it was an amazing time because of course we all miss travel, um, Mm. with the pandemic. It had, Mm. this was a cruise we were supposed to take two years ago. In 2020, we all know what happened in 2020. Then yeah, it moved yeah. to 2021, and then it was canceled. And then we finally went this month um, in 2022. So, yeah, yeah I, I I love traveling, and it's an it's an amazing experience because there's just there's so much there's so much to learn from another culture, mm-hmm. and uh, and we, we're also big foodies. We love the food, but really just knowing other people, other cultures, and acknowledging our differences. And accepting we are different. And I think it's so important in, you know, in today's world to accept and embrace difference, to embrace diversity. Absolutely. And also to embrace inclusion. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one of the reasons why I love travel and something that my family could do together. And when we travel, we meet other people. We And I be, we become Facebook friends. In fact, when we went to... When we went to Paris, um, we were in line for the for the to climb the Eiffel Tower, not to take the elevator to climb it with the stairs. And we were the first in line because everyone else there was a long line to take the elevator. But we were like there was like one or two people, one or two families in line. We met this other family who um, who live in Australia and they have a winery in Melbourne, and. We you know, and they always say, "Hey, if you ever come to Australia," and we became Facebook friends and we kept in touch for two or three years. And then it was time for our trip to Australia, and they welcomed us to their winery and to stay in their house. I mean, it was just a beautiful thing. 
And that's what I love about traveling is meeting other people, meeting yeah, other people yeah. in other parts of the world, staying connected with social media, which I love that about social media. Mm-hmm. I know there's negatives about it, but there's also positives about it, which is you can have relationships anywhere in the world. Yes. And um, that's what I love about it too, is, is just getting to know other people in other countries. And um, I have um, a, a pen pal in, in Florence, Italy, that I've that I've met her and, she, and you know, we've been in touch the last eight years since we've been to Italy. So things like that I just really love and embrace is, is those relationships. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. It's, it's just also if you if you you know if you meet someone over there or you know someone over there in a different country and you're going, they can often show you sort of you know the locals the locals. guide to, to you know to, to to exploring a place and you know the places that aren't on the on the um, you know the blog that you look at you know the ten best places to go. Yes, in, and that's uh, that, yeah. that's the best. We want to go where the locals go. We want to go where yeah. the locals yeah. eat, not the touristy overpriced places. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So for that reason, yeah, I uh, I couldn't agree more. Now, speaking of, uh, of uh, meeting people from across the seas, we got introduced uh, in, in via Clubhouse um, during Neil and Moz's Sunday schmooze, I believe it was. Um, how important is it for you to have a hands-on approach in connecting with the wider audiobook community? And and sort of how important is it, you know, do, do you suggest to other narrators that if they're not sort of making a little bit of an effort to, to learn, you know, to get into that community, to maybe join a clubhouse meeting, for example, do, do you suggest that they is some place that they should go? Absolutely. Um, it, all narrators should be on clubhouse. That's what I say. Yeah. I was on a, on a social media panel for um, uh, for a conference for, for APAC, the Audio Publishers Association's conference. And that was my recommendation when when some when the when the panel um, asked me for narrators, what social media platform would you if there was one one <laughs> social media platform, what would you suggest? And I said Clubhouse. Clubhouse yeah. was just it's so different from any other platform, but it is free. It is you every day. There's something about audiobooks. Um, the audiobook community on Clubhouse is amazing, where you could learn and train and meet other narrators, other publishers, other authors, people in the industry that can help you. I've met publishers where I've gotten work. I've met authors where I've gotten work, and it was wonderful meeting um, Neil and Morris because when I went to London in February, I got to meet Morris in person. And um, yeah, so that it's just for me, relationships are very important. And in general, relationships are important in any industry. Yeah, but yeah. Um, relationships are really important. And I love connecting and getting to know someone. And then if I happen to be in that area where they are, I want to meet them in person, right? So that happened to me when I went to the East Coast um, with publishers that I have relationships with in New York. I always reach out and say, hey, you want to, you know, I'm going to be on the East Coast. Uh, I would love, let's grab coffee or let's grab lunch. It just really solidifies a relationship. Um, I loved meeting Morris. I'm, I, me and Neil were supposed to meet, but then um, it, di- it didn't happen. I think Neil wasn't feeling well, so it was just, I was supposed to meet them together. So it was just Morris. And then we ended yeah. up going to, Morris ended up joining me to watch my daughter perform at the Globe. That's why we were there. Oh, wow. My daughter studied um, for her third year of her BFA acting program at Rutgers, which is in New Jersey. Um, their third year they spend studying at um, the the Shakespeare Globe Theater in London and she got to perform at the at the end and so Morris joined me in watching my daughter Sydney perform and that was really great and so my daughter got to meet Morris as well and my husband uh, Morris got to know my husband as well although Morris already knew my husband from social media (laughs) (laughs) but uh, but yeah but things like that I mean I love getting to know 
people that I'm working with um, on a personal level, you know, those that's those relationships are really important. So I really recommend Clubhouse. But in general, I recommend narrators or anyone really in any business is to really try to connect with people that you want to connect with. Like when I when have you ever met someone that you really just wanted to connect with and have a and stay connected with then it's up to you to reach out to them on social media and say hey i'd love to connect i would love to stay connected and and be active in that relationship whether it's commenting on their posts or something like that you know i think it's really important i um and you get to choose those people you get to choose who you want to have those relationships with right so yeah yeah I know just from doing this um, podcast for the last couple of months, um, it's kind of given me an excuse uh, to reach out to people that I've been admiring from afar. Um, I think it's then... so great. I think it's so great, you know, because I wouldn't have met you otherwise if I didn't meet you on Clubhouse, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's been, it's just been, it's been great um, in doing this now, and I couldn't agree more. I think it's so important, and it it just sort of injects that just it injects another level um another way to enjoy um this profession and this community um it's great we can't i'm uh, just having a flick through at the time i cannot believe how fast this has gone um so just uh, we do have uh, time for one more question if that's okay um it's it's been such a pleasure to talk to you um to finish us off is there i know you've already mentioned the feature and and things is there any upcoming projects anything approaching in the diary that you're excited about perhaps a project that we can uh, we can look forward to that you can tell us about well there's a couple of projects actually one there's an audiobook that i narrated that just released um less than a week ago um it's called my life giving up um growing up asian in america so it's it's a compilation of 30 stories written by Asian American authors and this is it, it was compiled by an organization called CAPE Coalition of Asian Pacifics and Entertainment and I I was very grateful to have narrated five of the stories and um I'm just really they were very moving stories of these personal experiences of these authors what it was like growing up Mm. you know asian in america right yeah. so and it's and it was very fitting because may is asian american pacific islander heritage month and i actually have a clubhouse celebration event tonight um oh. uh, 4 30 pacific 7 30 um, e- um eastern um but i think in the uk it'll be even later than that it would be like 12 midnight or something like that um, in the UK. But, um, but yeah, I'm really, really um, proud and honored to be included in in this book. Um, It was produced by Simon and Schuster. Alison Light was the producer, but I, I have another book coming up that's releasing next week. It's called On Gin Lane by Brooke Lee Foster. And it's a 12 hour coming of age, historical fiction romance. And the main character is this, tall blonde blue-eyed character i mean not me right not physically me and that's what i love about voiceover work and audiobooks is that it doesn't matter what we look like it's 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 we can tell these stories and it doesn't matter what ethnicity we are and um so it 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 takes place in like in in june the summer of 1957 and my character is 23 and at 23 you, you that's old and if you're not if you're still single and not married so it's a story about um, how she is now engaged. She she had a broken engagement. Now she is engaged uh, to a new fiance. Mm-hmm. And she's really discovering who she is as a woman and really discovering 
is she really happy and what are her needs so it's, it, it's like this really strong female role and um and she ends up making these decisions in her life where she's making herself a priority and not just what society thinks she should do so it's really a wonderful story and, and again it was produced by simon and schuster and i was just really grateful that they thought of me for this book to narrate this book and um and and how the author brooke is so excited uh to have had me so excited when when she heard that i was on board so yeah. i'm excited about that for two reasons one being an asian specific book and one being a non-asian specific book so mm. i celebrate both and i'm grateful to have the opportunity to be able to narrate asian specific and non-ethnic specific books as well yeah they sound fantastic um I think that may just about do it for this episode of the Audiobook <laughs> Club. All of the relevant links to social media accounts and websites and Audible links and all that sort of stuff uh, will be linked in the description. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. And another huge thank you to Jennifer for joining us. Thank you so much. It's been so lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. I loved having this conversation. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Audiobook Club. This episode was sponsored by Pro Audio Voices. If you have a story you want to bring to life, head over to ProAudioVoices.com to get in touch with industry professionals that can take care of every step of production, as well as offer support and guidance with marketing, growing your brand, and boosting your sales. Once again, that's ProAudioVoices.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.